Hello, welcome to Cinemaniac Jack. I'm your host, Jack. Today's guest co-host is John. How are you today, John? I'm good. So basically the gist of this show is that we talk about films that I love based on whatever the topic of the episode is. And the first half of the show, I talk to my guest about whatever the topic is. So today, uh, so today's topic is a favorite comedy film. And the film I chose is The Royal Tenenbaums. But first, John is going to tell us some of his favorite comedies. Finally, it's about me. No, just kidding. Um, all right, I'll go in random order. Number one is uh, Superstar from 1999, directed uh-huh. by Bruce uh, McCulloch. Of course, the incomparable Molly Shannon stars as Mary Catherine Gallagher, her uh, SNL character. And the movie, like, I'll be the first one to admit, it's not a good movie, but it's the type of movie that, like, resonates with me. Because Will Ferrell plays, like, a high schooler, even though he looks like he's about 400 years old. I mean, all of them They are, all like, look like 30s. they're in their 30s. But Mary Catherine Gallagher's one life goal is to be kissed. That's, mm-hmm. like, her whole aspiration in life. And it's just hysterical. It's so funny. And well, I use the lines from that movie, like, in real life. Like, I'm like, go drink a bottle of yourself, Eddie yeah. um, And, I don't know, I hope Molly Shannon gets cast and stuff, because she's really good. Well, yeah, it's funny, because when I first... Because Bethany, like, wanted me to watch that oh, with her. That movie. And I was kind of... I was expe- I was expecting to hate it. But then we set, we, when we were watching it, I was like, no, this is actually really funny. No, it's really funny. No, but like, I'm, I'm looking on Letterboxd. And I was surprised when I saw Letterboxd. Yeah, it's a 2.6 on Letterboxd, yeah. which just proves that the film critics don't know good shit, because it's a brilliant, funny movie. Yeah, I don't know. I liked it. It's so I good. I and thought they were all really funny. Elaine Hendricks plays uh, the evil villain Evian, who also plays Meredith. Yeah, everybody, she'll always be known as Meredith. She'll always now. be known as Meredith. But she's great in it, too. I mean, everybody's good in that movie. It's wonderful. That's yeah. great. Go drink a bottle of yourself. Go drink a bottle of yourself. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> My <laughs> second movie that I picked is Napoleon Dynamite from 2004, directed by Jared mm-hmm. Hess. And I just remember being, like, super obsessed with this when it came out. Like, all the kids in school had those, like, Vote for Pedro t-shirts. I mean, I think, like, you know, I remember It's a very that. generational Yeah, no, I film, remember though. when that came out, too, and everybody was obsessed with that yeah. movie. And my mom And, of course, like, I was too young at the time, you know, to watch or appreciate it. So, like, I didn't, It's been, know. like, about, like, 15 years since I've watched it. I want to rewatch it and see yeah. if I appreciate it more or less. But, yeah, they need to cast John Hader and stuff. Because he kind of, like, fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. He was good in Blades of Glory. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was really good in that. I mean, he's a great actor. I don't know. I thought he was very good. But it's such a unique film, Napoleon Dynamite. I mean, you have this alienated teenager who helps his friend win the class presidency. Yeah. To spite uh, the evil girl. What was her name? Summer, right? I I don't remember. Whatever. It was, like, funny, though. It's just, it's very much like a millennial film. Like it's, it's our now, generation. Is it supposed to take pl- like take place in the present day? Or I think it's it supposed to take place like it's like a like a seventies eighties movie. 80s, yeah. yeah, I think it's one of those films where you're not supposed yeah. to really pinpoint the time period mm-hmm. that it's coming from. The next movie I picked is The Incomparable Parent Trap. Mm-hmm. directed by Nancy Myers, and it's just, like, a classic film. I mean, at this point, of course, it's from 1998, so it's in my lifetime. Can things be classic if they're, like, in our lifetime? Or, because I mean, the word classic least, refers to, If it's to at like... least 20 years old, then yeah. All right, so, okay, yeah. The Parent Trap's a classic, then. When it comes to movies. You think 20 years makes something a yeah. classic? Really? Yeah. 
Oh. I don't know. That makes me feel old if we're using that rule. But yeah, basically Lindsay Lohan, before she did all the drugs, uh, starred as the brilliant Hallie and Annie. Yeah. No, it's funny because, like, it's... I wouldn't say that it's, like, uh, so bad it's good movie because I think oh, it's, I think it it's is, genuinely good. It is I a genuinely good it. film. I think it's a genuinely great but film. But it's so, like, the plot is just so ridiculous. ridiculous. I mean, yeah, of course the plot is yeah. ridiculous. But, I mean, Nancy Myers as a director is known for making, like, really shitty rom-coms. Like, oh, she did The Holiday. The oh, Holiday. and Father of the Bride. She did The Holiday, Something's Gotta Give, It's Complicated, Father of the Bride Part 3, What Woman Won. Well, the Father of the Bride movies are really good. I mean... And I, I enjoyed It's Complicated a little bit. It's Complicated I did not like. Because yeah. I just can't stand Alec Baldwin. But, um, yeah, it's a classic movie. Uh, Natasha Richardson, unfortunately, is dead now. But she was really good in it. Elaine, I mean, everybody Elaine in this Hendricks really... played Meredith Blake to perfection. Yeah. She really killed it in that movie. Like, Meredith Blake is like a supervillain. Yeah. And the funny thing about it, too, is like, when the last time me and Bethany watched it... We looked her up, and she was, like, only, like, 26, 28, something like that. And we were like, holy shit, like, that's how old we are now. But it's, yeah, like, crazy. that's, like, she seems so much older. I mean, not, like, extremely older, but, like, she seems like she could be, like, in her 30s, maybe. She doesn't seem like she's in her 20s. What I don't yeah. understand, though, is, like... Why did they agree that one parent would take one twin and the other parent would take the other twin? That's so. <laughs> that is downright toxic. That's right so there. crazy. That's so nuts. I don't know if you've ever seen the the robot chicken skit where they do like the prequel to um, the Parent Trap, and they're like, "Now you'll see how they how it all started," because sometimes. Uh, wonderful endings have truly horrible glossed over beginnings oh my god yeah like nobody <laughs> yeah. puts that together obviously now they put it together but nobody was nobody told nick parker and nobody told elizabeth james maybe don't do this to your children maybe yeah. don't separate the twins and all but but the weird thing about it too is like is there i mean i guess the whole point was like they really just didn't want like anything to they didn't do want to with see each other. other ever again but they're your children, you know? It's so crazy. I don't know. It's so batshit insane. It's but just, yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> it's great, though. It is a great film. Ugh. I do love it. And the funny thing, too, when I grew up, I always thought that because of this movie, I thought Lindsay Lohan was two different actresses. <laughs> I thought that funny. actually... That's yeah. funny. That's good. Oh. Yeah, that's and then funny. it wasn't until, like, years later, I was like, oh, what happened to her? Because when, when she had... Because <laughs> no, she had... She had her resurgence later on when she did, like, Freaky Friday. And she did Confessions and, of a Teenage yeah, Drama Mean Queen. Girls. Yeah. Like, she was a big star. And then I was like, I mean, what happened to her sister? Like, <laughs> her she sister was really died. good, too. She died. She got run over <laughs> by a truck. Yeah. No, she was in uh, Freaky Friday, Mean Girls, Parent Trap, Confessions of Teenage Drama Queen. She was in Herbie, Fully Loaded. I saw that in the theater. I think that yeah. was horrible. But yeah, no, poor Lindsay kind of like did drugs and yeah. got crazy. Uh, and then she tried to steal that child off the street. Wait, what? You've never seen this YouTube video? No, I haven't. No, Lindsay Lohan tried to abduct somebody off the street. <laughs> she tried to abduct a child off the street. Just look up Lindsay Lohan abduction. Lindsay Lohan abducts child. So yeah, she tried to kidnap a refugee child. She was crazy. She's just insane. Anyway. Okay, anyway, next movie. Nine to Five, 1980, directed by Colin Hughes. Oh, wow. I expected to hate this film. 
the first time because yeah. I thought like don't get me wrong we all love Dolly Parton like no one will ever say a bad thing but Jane Fonda can be kind of annoying hit or miss and Lily Tomlin's funny but like honestly it did not feel dated like even though the movie came out in 1980 it still felt like very current I guess well, in terms of the I, humor I've heard that the humor is kind of dated I don't, See, I don't know what I didn't I've find, I, no, but I didn't find I haven't the movie seen, dated I haven't, when I saw it I thought it was very funny I haven't I actually seen the movie still but I've I mean, heard that some of the humor as, No, but as long yeah. as people hate their bosses, people will always identify with this film. As long yeah. as people have a horrible boss, of which some people do. Luckily, all my bosses are pretty good. But mm-hmm. as long as people are still working jobs from 9 to 5, working mm-hmm. 9 to 5, that they hate, they'll identify with this film. I feel like everybody always wishes that they could like kill their boss. You know, And it turned into a musical, too, right? Yeah, they did adapt it, I think, later on into a musical which does not sound like a good idea. I wouldn't see it as a musical yeah, at all. But it's funny. I think Dolly Parton does a good job in the film mm-hmm. and all that. My next uh, film is Bridesmaids. Yes. Directed by Paul yes. Fagg. Of course, Kristen Wiig uh, was the architect behind this entire film. It is so funny. Everything is so funny in the film. I mean... Maya Rudolph, of course, plays the friend who they're throwing an engagement party for, and it's mm-hmm. Kristen Wiig versus Rose Byrne mm-hmm. over battling over her affections. And there's just so many quotable lines that, I, you know, I use to this day, like, let's be in. I use that all the time. Yeah. Uh, what woman gives another woman a trip to Paris? Yeah. I just love that line because, really, what woman gives another trip? Like, it's very intimate to give somebody a trip to Paris. I mean, so, I think my know. favorite scene is the one on the tennis the, the airplane. No, oh, the airplane, the airplane suit. No, actually, oh. well, actually, to be honest, there's, there's so many. There's good, a ton of scenes. There's that so are many great, good scenes. But I really love the the one where she's like really like high on those prescription pills oh, or whatever. That's so funny. And then she starts like <laughs> insulting the uh, the steward or oh, whatever. It's, it's so good. It's so funny. Who's ready to party? Catch you on the flip side, motherfucker. Of the flight attendant. Yeah. She goes crazy. I like when yeah. um, Melissa McCarthy gets really sick and poops in the middle of the street. That's always Of course, I always love... No, not... Love... No, no. Uh, Maya Rudolph poops in yeah. the middle of the street. Melissa McCarthy poops in the sink. I love the part where... Um, what's her name? I, I love the part where Helen says to the kids she's like awesome do you want me to take you home later and the kid goes fuck off ellen (laughs) it's just funny though it's snarky humor and it just really is so funny i love that no it's a great film yeah that's another film i've been wanting but it's not a chick flick though like i mean it is a chick flick but just because it's a chick flick doesn't mean it's bad it's like there's good there's such there's there are good chick flicks you agree there's a good chick flick really i mean this is a perfect example okay all right but usually most people would steer clear of chick flicks but I think it's just so funny. You know, I, I, I always have that song, um, uh, that's what friends are for, when they start singing it oh, yeah. at the um, engagement mm-hmm. party. What woman gives another woman a trip to Paris? Can anyone say lesbians? No, it just hits every beat. It's hard to believe that movie is uh, 10 years old. That's crazy, that movie's that, yeah, 10 years old. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I, I remember seeing that in the theater, and it was so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have time for one more? Yeah. All right. Just Friends, directed by Roger Cumble. 
everybody hates this movie, but I love it, and I don't care. I think it's unapon- it's unapologetically 2000s rom-com. I'm thinking all these, like, chick flick rom-coms. I don't know. I just yeah. find it really funny. Um, Ryan Reynolds plays this fat guy who becomes very fit and too good for his New Jersey town, so he, like, moves to California and becomes, like, a music executive. And, of course, he, like, moves back home. And uh, Anna Faris plays this, like, crazy Britney Spears pop star from hell. Yeah. And it's all about how, like... He was platonic friends with this woman, Jamie Palomino, and, you know, he was kind of put in the friend zone by mm-hmm. her and how he still likes her. But then Anna Faris is just crazy and it's just so funny. Yeah. I think it's really good. And that's another movie that everybody on Letterboxd <laughs> hates. They gave it a 2.7. Yeah, it was all right. I, I will admit that I think the best part of the movie, though, was Anna Faris. Oh, Anna Faris is so funny. Yeah. She's, like, just so funny in that movie. Everybody should watch it. Like, if you ever want, like, a 2000s rom-com that tells you exactly what movies were like in 2005, you have to watch Just Friends. Because it's very, like, 2000s. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it, I don't know. Maybe it's just because we've been alive that long that we can say that. But, like, these kids today, 2000s, like, super bad. Yeah, like, super yeah. bad is so 2000s. Yeah, that's so 2000s, yeah. I don't know, maybe it's just because we've been alive that long that we can kind of look a little more objectively at our youth like that. Mm-hmm. But the whole feel of the movie, like, you can tell that a man made this movie in Oh, yeah, for sure. You can just tell <laughs> yeah. a man made this film in 2005 and all. There was, like, a really funny quote that I'm trying to find from IMBD quickly. Oh, her song, Forgiveness. Forgiveness yeah. is more than saying sorry. That's really funny. But, like, there's stuff like, raise your hand if your brother's a homo. You would never see that in a movie today. Uh, Anna Faris, God, I want to lick your skin off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's just a good movie. Yeah, cool. Uh, So you're ready to get into it? Yeah, I'm ready to get into it. Cool. So today we're talking about The Royal Tenenbaums. So The Royal Tenenbaums is a comedy drama film released on December 14th, 2001. It was directed by Wes Anderson. The screenplay was written by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson. It stars Danny Glover, Gene Hackman, Angelica Houston, Bill Murray, Gwyneth Paltrow, Ben Stiller, Luke Wilson, and Owen Wilson. The film is about a family by the name of Tenenbaum, a rich family living in New York. Each of the children are a prodigy of some kind. Chaz, played by Ben Stiller, is a genius of math and business. Margot, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, is a brilliant playwright and Richie, played by Luke Wilson, uh, being a master of tennis. They seem to have it all, but share a strained relationship with their eccentric and insensitive father, Royal, played by Gene Hackman. Years later, they are suffering from problems stemmed by their strained relationship with their father, and things get more complicated when he comes back into their lives and reveals that he's dying from cancer. Um, so, uh, so since this was your first time seeing this movie, what did you think of it? Oh, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I yeah. can I can see why people call this like quintessential uh, Wes Anderson, just because I've seen all his other movies, except I uh, not Fox. I haven't seen Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, but I've seen all the other like big ones to come out. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. I I think this might surpass Grand Budapest Hotel for me. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, it definitely deserves a rewatch at some point. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. So I can see like I don't know. I need it to just sit with me a little more, but I felt like. Everything that makes Wes Anderson Wes Anderson, this movie had in spades. The fonts, yeah, the perfectly 
symmetrical scenes. The zoom in shot. He always does this like zoom in shot yeah. when he like zooms in on characters, and I noticed that a lot in this movie. And of course, the script with like all his characters are so like crazy. I find. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that this is like his signature film, right? Yeah, this he's pretty like well what, known for this. Yeah. One. You know. This is the one that put him on the map, I think, right? I want to yeah, say. Yeah, pro- probably. Yeah, because Rushmore came out, Bottle Rocket, Royal Tenenbaums, yeah. Yeah. And then he had The Life Aquatic, Darjeeling, Limited. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Um, Moonrise Kingdom, I've seen Grand Budapest, I've seen Isle of Dogs, I've seen. And then, of course, I'm very much looking forward to the French Dispatch. Yeah. And all. Which got delayed by COVID. And he's already filming his next one. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, with Tilda. And yeah, I mean, the funny thing about. Wes Anderson. Either you like him or hate him. I know it is. He's very divisive. because Yeah, which I totally get. And, well, go ahead, actually. No, I just think I notice, at least when I read criticism of his movies, either people love him, they love his whimsical, symmetrical style where everything is so, like, aesthetically perfect and the characters are all quirky and very Zoe Deschanel, or people, like, fucking hate him. And they hate his guts. They're like, this is not real cinema. This is bullshit. <laughs> this is, like... Like, people have very, like, um... I don't know... Strong opinions. Strong about opinions him. about his work. Personally, I like him. I think he's like a genius. I think he's very good at what he does. I think his scripts are very funny. At least this, I I felt like I laughed more during Royal Tenenbaums than I laugh at some of his other movies. I felt like the humor was very absurdist and good in this one. Yeah, well, I mean, I was kind of like that for a while too. Like, I for a while for the longest time, I was like, I wouldn't touch Wes Anderson. I was really? like, no, Why? he's so pretentious. You thought he was and like blah blah blah. Oh. But then I took a film class, uh, and my teacher played for us the first, like, like that the opening of this film, actually. Mm-hmm. And I saw it, and I was like, this looks really good. I gotta fucking check out this movie. And of course I did, and I... I loved it. I was just like, yeah, he won me over with this. Yeah, no, he's... he's Wes Anderson is a genius, you know? And the... But what I was gonna say before, too, is that, like... I think what makes Wes Anderson great is that, like, he's artsy, but he's not, like, depressing artsy. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like lots of... What's an example like, of depressing artsy, though? Well, like, David Lynch and, like, uh, Igmar Bergman and stuff like that, you know? Like, you know, and who who I love, but, like, I feel like the the great thing is that, like, with... That is like true. West, I never feel depressed watching his yeah, movies. Yeah, like, they West, are like, like a, I mean, right. like, they have, like, his movies do have, like, a element of sadness to the, I mean, of course, this one obviously has an element of sadness to it as well, but well, I don't all know. Comedies. Like, all his movies like they're are very, comedies, they're so. all really fun to watch, and they are artsy, but they're not, like, I, I, I feel like, like, anybody could watch them and, like, you know, enjoy them. You know, you know, I don't know. Do you disagree? A little, a little. I mean, maybe not everybody, but like... I just have very little faith in the general public in terms of attention span. So I think some people... I mean, you thought that this movie was hard to follow? No, it wasn't hard to follow for me, but I think for other people it might be hard to follow. There's parts of the movie which could be a little convoluted. I don't know. I just feel like our first instinct nowadays is when we watch a movie, it's like, look, why do you think superhero movies do so well? It's because they Good appeal, <laughs> you know, but they appeal to a broad um, group of people, yeah. though. I feel like this is not the same audience. You're not going to find, 
you're not going to find the general public at a Wes Anderson movie. I mean, nowadays, because he's such an established name. But I feel like, I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't think Wes Anderson is, is as hard to follow as, like, David Lynch. No, or... no, there's a difference. Yeah. I mean, but even so, people want things that where they don't have to think. And I feel like Wes Anderson, at least, you have to think a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first thing that I wrote uh, in my notes was, I love how the children have the exact same looks when they're older. And initially, like, I just kind of assumed that that was just kind of, like, the stereotypical, like, comedy thing of, like, oh, of course the children look exactly the same when they're older. But I actually read somewhere when I was, like, you know, looking up stuff about it that somebody wrote that, like, that kind of shows their uh, nostalgia and not being able to kind of, like, let go of their past selves, which I didn't think of before, but I thought that that was very interesting. I think that's looking too much into it. I think it was Wes, so? well, I think Wes Anderson or whoever was probably like, all right, the audience will know that they're supposed to be them by the outfit. A little bit, or maybe. I yeah, don't know. I guess. But I mean, I mean that it works well though. Either way, you can know. tell that Wes Anderson wanted to use the actual Beatles song, but he must not have been able to get the rights for "Hey Jude." That's why he had that recording. Yeah, of "Hey Jude," but you can tell. Um, he must have wanted to get the rights to use the actual song. And that's a good um, song to play, uh, like, for that part in the film. Because, like, that to, perfectly matches that match, what's going on. See, I, I disagree with you oh, a you little do? bit. I, th- I thought it worked fine for the scene. I felt like he could have done another song. I mean, Hey Jude. Well, it's about divorce. It's about uh, oh. Julian Lennon's uh, That makes so much more him. sense now. I yeah. didn't put that together. See, I thought he was just playing it for the, for the montage of all the kids. I didn't realize, oh, that makes so much sense. Never yeah. mind. <laughs> Never mind. Because that makes sense now. I didn't put two and two together. But now I do. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Th- okay, that's fine. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I thought his the Nico song, when Richie and Margot look at each other, yeah. that was a perfect sync. That, uh, these days, is the name of the song. Mm-hmm. And when the the song immediately comes on with the guitar, mm-hmm. and it was just, like, perfect. Like, that is how you put music in a movie. I think a lot of directors, at least nowadays, you know, not to shit on superhero movies, because I do like superhero movies, but, like, Guardians of the Galaxy was a movie that relied a lot on the soundtrack. And, you know, some of these other movies, I feel like all these movies nowadays have to have these crazy-ass soundtracks. But I think directors need to be careful about what music they're putting in their movies. I'm not talking about a score. I'm not talking about, like music that's composed, like Ennio Morricone and all that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, like, if you're going to license music. I mean, what's an example of a m- movie that did a score really, really well? Cruella. Cru- no, that wasn't a score. That was No, a- Cruella, like, the soundtrack is more yeah. what I meant. But, like, Cruella could have gone overboard, but I felt I mean, like- I think it did go kind of go overboard But I liked it, though. No, I liked it, too. I but felt like the I songs like it was fit like the scenes, though. Every other second they were playing Yeah, that was a little song. much. No, but I think, I think at least directors, some directors have to be careful that it's not, like, too much recognizable music mm-hmm. in the score. But I thought Wes Anderson was tasteful. I liked when they were in Owen Wilson's apartment and you heard Rock the Casbah. Yeah. That, that was, like, a good sync, too, and all. But yeah, just yeah. to use just to use like Rock the Casbah in a movie that must have cost so much money. Well, they do they do two Clash songs. In this yeah, they movie. did two yeah. Clash. He likes the Clash. He he's used yeah. them before, right? In other movies or not? I don't remember. 
and all. Yeah. But every shot is, like, immediately beautiful in the intro. That's how you know you're in a Wes Anderson movie, because everything is perfect and symmetrical and wonderful. And the font, the beauty, he uses the most beautiful fonts in his movies. It's just like, oh, you have such good taste. And, of course, the book thing. Yes. Uh, See, I don't like the book thing, though. I would have done better if, like, it wasn't written like a book, because that felt very pretentious. He's like, I don't, I mean, you want to show, you don't want to, like, tell. I mean, it's only for, like, small I know, but I felt like he didn't need that as... I just wouldn't have done it the same way. I felt like as the viewer, we don't need to see the words written out. We need to hear the words being spoken by the actors. So what it would say, Royal walks into the room, stares at the wall. Like, like I felt like... I like that. No, see, but I don't like that. I I felt like I didn't need the narration. I would have much rather watched the actors doing it. But that's part of Wes Anderson's aesthetic, you know? Yeah. That's more of an aesthetic thing. Um, and I also wrote down, too, that, like, all the characters are individually weird in their own way. It wouldn't be a Wes Anderson movie if the characters weren't individually weird in their own way, though. Yeah. I feel like that's more of, like, they are, they are fucking weird, but... He makes... Yeah, but they're not, like... I don't know, like, each of them kind of has their own, like, way of being weird. You know, like, they're not, like... All the same. Like, like Gene Hackman is, like, weird, but he's not the same weird as, like, Gwyneth Paltrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're all weird. I mean... They have to be weird, though, for the audience to identify with them, though. If they were conventional, I feel like it would be harder for the audience to root for certain characters and keep track of them. So, in a way, it makes sense for Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson to have made the characters so individualistic. I just kept thinking the first time I saw Gwyneth Paltrow, in addition to being beautiful, because she is beautiful, I mean, come on, is, like, I just kept thinking, oh, this is so 2000s. I just kept Why? thinking... No, good, but I kept on thinking, like, all these teenage girls must have seen her in that movie and be like, oh, now I'm going to dress as her for Halloween. I mean, I don't know. Something about that, the fur coat and her outfit, it felt very 2000s yeah. to me at all. Why? What did you think of her? Like, in general? Yeah, just, like, the aesthetic of the character. Yeah, I thought... No, I thought she was really good in it. Um, But, of course, like, yeah, she kind of has... the number one thing, Margot costume. It's been done, like, so many times. Yeah, I wonder how many cosplays... So many cosplays of the Margot costume. I just... That's the first thing I thought of. I said, there must be a million girls dressing up as Gwyneth Paltrow from this movie. I, I also wrote... I love Owen Wilson's car... What, uh, and, what about his car? I don't know. I just, I don't know. Look it up. I just really liked the car, but of course it's ironic because later on in the film he, like, destroys totally his car. because he's high on drugs. Yeah. Oh, the white car? Yeah, that's a yeah. great car. That is a great car. <laughs> we're seeing stills of that scene where he's, uh... Oh, look, look how young they were. Yeah, wow. Wow. That's oh, wait, is nice. that the car? That is the car. No, but I mean, like, because we're seeing a picture, but, like, it's not in the movie. Yeah, it's a picture of Wes Anderson and the two of them filming the movie. Yeah, Owen Wilson is always a trip in all his movies. He's he's always, like, a weirdo. And he only says wow once in this. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's actually a whole, there's a whole video of um, every time he's said wow in his films. Oh, he says a lot, (laughs) you know. He's known for that the way McConaughey's known for all right, all right, all right. Yeah, and I looked, I looked up. 
because uh, I wanted to see, like, how many times he might have said it in the film, because, like, I can't, like, keep track of that as we're watching it. Yeah. So then I went back and I watched that video, and he I've only said it once. I've always liked Owen Wilson. Like, like, Owen Wilson's the type of guy where if I ran into him in public, like, I would think he would be a nice guy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I hope so. No, but I've always <laughs> imagined Owen Wilson being nice. Not Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson seems a little, like, douchey to me. I don't know. He kind of looks like a douche. But... <laughs> Owen Wilson, on the other hand, I don't know, and he was. And in, I was surprised too because he co-wrote the screenplay, yeah, and which I didn't remember. He's in the new Loki TV show, by the way. Owen Wilson, Wilson yeah, really? he's very good in it. Yeah, oh but, wow! But yeah, Owen Wilson, I've always been rooting for his career. He was great in Midnight in Paris. Later yeah, I mean, on. I, I like him. I have nothing I've against it him. I've said it before know. on this podcast that I've, I've, I love him and everything that he's in. No, he's a so. good actor. No, I know I have nothing yeah. against him. He's fine. Um. You know who actually impressed me a lot in this movie? Who? Ben Stiller impressed oh, me yeah? a lot. Yeah. I, I don't, he doesn't... I don't know. I feel like he kind of gets lost in the film a little bit. I don't know. I don't think he gets lost. I think his character's given a lot. He's dealing with the grief of losing his wife. He's dealing with the grief of ensuring that his kids are safe. Um, dealing with his crazy father. I don't know. I felt like his character was given a lot of meat to work yeah, with yeah. throughout the movie. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's maybe the only reason you might feel he got lost is because the movie has so many big personalities. If anyone got lost, I feel like Ethelene got lost. I feel like Angelica Houston was kind of really because I I feel like they focused so much more on all the other characters. You think so? I I felt like like she was kind of lost a little bit. And but I mean, of course, they focus a lot on Luke Wilson and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I feel like Angelica Houston always plays like the suffering wife in Wes Anderson movies. That's like her role because she's in Life Aquatic with Bill Murray. Which was his next film, right? Yeah, The Life Aquatic. Yeah. And all. But she was good. I mean, everybody was good. There was yeah, not, everybody there was not was one great. person where I was like, oh, it's a bad performance, you know? I mean, I think we have to say that Gene Hackman is, like, the best Oh, he was good. Yeah, he was movie. really good. Like, he yeah. steals this movie. And I think... He's such a bad father. Yeah. That's what, like... Like, it was, it's kind of a downer, because you, like, want to believe that people are good. But I had, like, a hard time just redeeming him as a character while watching it, because he was so neglectful of his kids. And I, like... It really makes you feel for how fucked up it left them all. Like, you see the impact... Of course, that's the whole point of the film, to illustrate the impact of him being a horrible father had on all the kids. You see how Richie totally... Um, melts down on the tennis court you see how um margot replaces his love with bill murray's love which is gross by yeah, the way yeah no because that was actually something that i that i didn't pick up on the first time i saw it but when i saw it this time i was like oh wait is she like kind of replacing gene hackman Ew. with bill murray which i i don't know maybe that's like a bad stereotype but like i don't know it just seemed that Wait a me. He's only 70 years old, Bill Murray. He looks much older. He looks like he's, like, 90. But, yeah, like, Gina Hackman is, like, just the best part in this movie. But And what's interesting, too, is that he didn't want to do it initially, I don't really think. Why? And I think, um, I think when they said that they were going to get Michael Caine to do it instead, that's when he was like, no, fuck that, I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, seriously, I feel like nobody else could have done this part except him. Yeah, it it was very good. Yeah. And he's just, like, hilarious. Like, I think the, the part that I, 
I laughed the hardest at was like right after when they find out that he's not really sick. And he just goes like, but I do have high blood pressure, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who lies about something like that? I just thought it was so depraved of him to lie about having terminal illness. I mean. Yeah. I do think he's kind of an interesting character, though, because, like, he, like, I feel like a lot of the reasons, like, why he is the way he is is just because he just suffers, like, from, like, arrested development. You know? Like, I mean, you, you see it pretty plainly like right in the beginning like when he's like uh when they have that flashback when they're children and they're playing like uh what are, what are they playing with the they're, bb guns yeah like with the bb guns and he just like <laughs> he he shoots at uh young ben stiller and he's like it's like but you're on my side and he's like there are no sides <laughs> yeah there's people really like that though definitely there's like the, like toxic parents are a thing you know yeah mine aren't no mine mine are not like that yeah. But definitely, no, I'm sure that that was based on somebody in Wes Anderson or Owen Wilson's life. I don't know. Or maybe they made them up. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But it's so ridiculous. Would you ever lie about having an illness like that? Like, no. like imagine, like, <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. I love how, uh, like, crazy all the individual children have, like, going back to their idiosyncrasies, Margot marries a Jamaican dude and is super <laughs> promiscuous and sleeps with all these people and smokes. Of but course. she she keeps her smoking. She keeps thing her smoking Yeah, Richie is just like a tennis dude who had that meltdown. Yeah. Uh, Chaz is just like overprotective and crazy. Well, he's like a math and business guy, genius, or and he something. sued his yeah. father. Yeah, he sued his father. Him. Stole money from him. Yeah. How do you feel about the incest? Um. I can't tell how I feel about it. A part of me thinks it's cute. A part of me thinks it's still a little too taboo. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, they're not really siblings. Uh, so I don't know the idea of like... I'm sure it's happened in real life. Your adopted sister. Oh, it's definitely happened. Yeah. I mean, we live in America. Go to West Virginia, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it, it didn't bother you that much. Were you rooting for Richie and Margot? I mean... Not really. Like, All yes right. and no. Like, I just found it a little odd. I, don't know. I, I mean, yeah, weird. it is odd, but I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't even know if they, do they even really get together at the end? I mean, kind of, they're making yeah, out. Yeah, but I mean, seem, like. Well, she says we're going to have to keep our, you know, relationship hidden. Yeah. Or, but it still felt very taboo. I don't know. If it, it left me feeling kind of icky about the whole thing. I love the line that uh, your mother was a terribly attractive woman. Oh, yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I feel like that's something you would say to uh, somebody. Don't you dare. I mean, I'm not that rude. I mean, I'm, I'm rude, but I'm not that rude. But, yeah, the dialogue was just really good. I don't know. Like, the jokes really hit. Yeah, the, yeah, the jokes are just fantastic. And, of course, he... I mean, I, I like, Gene Hackman has, like, the, the funniest dialogue. Um... Although the cringiest part, though, is when he calls, um... Glover. Yeah, he Danny calls, Glover. He calls him Coltrane. Oh, that's, uh, that was bad. That's Coltrane. so bad. Oh, yeah, that's cringe. That did not age well. I mean, it I mean the point well is that then. the point is that he's, like, a racist asshole. But... We know he's a racist asshole, though. We know he, he's not likable. At the end, I didn't even find him particularly likable when he died at the end. Yeah, it's weird. I was like... more thankful that he died because I'm like, <laughs> now these characters can move on in peace. yeah. I don't know, like, I mean, the thing that I find really interesting is how, like, 
like two of I mean it's really just the two of the Tenenbaums that have a problem with him it's uh you know Gwyneth Paltrow and Ben Stiller but Luke Wilson like has like a like he kind of still likes him because for some reason he had more of a liking to him out of the three of them and like he invited him to like uh like those um outings yeah outings like outings um yeah so yeah i i I don't know i find that interesting but then like at the very end and ben stiller is kind of i guess the one who has like the most hatred for him but then like at the very end he kind of like wins him over again and he's the one that uh he's the last one to see him before he dies so i don't know it's kind of interesting um See, I I know it's supposed to be cathartic when he makes up with all his kids at the end, but like I said, I was just kind of happy that he was dead because I, I thought <laughs> I I didn't find him very redeemable as a. I mean, at least he tried. He tried. He tried. At least he made the effort. But I don't know. At least he made the effort when he got the kids at the Dalmatian after Buckley died. That was that was good. I felt bad when the dog died though because of freaking Owen Wilson being yeah high on drugs at all. I wonder, I'm reading this part on Wikipedia, where Anderson and Houston had a tense relationship with Hackman, who was not always amiable on set. Mm-hmm. On the first day, Hackman and Houston appeared in a scene. Angelica Houston had to slap him. It later said the slap was real. <laughs> I hit him a really good one. I saw the imprint of my hand on his cheek, and I thought, he's going to kill me. Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. And then Angelica Houston's hair caught fire from a birthday candle in the oh, opening geez. scene. So, yeah, I always love those, like, behind-the-scenes little tidbits. Because you always think, like, at least we always joke that actors are, like, the fakest people ever. No, but, like, no, but it, I always find it interesting when actors don't gel together on a project compared yeah. to when they do gel. Because some people just don't mix well. You know, I mean, like, a lot of the times you don't really know it, though. Sometimes like, there's some people there's like some very famous feuds from films. Well, yeah, there are feuds, but you wouldn't, like, from what you see on the screen, you wouldn't Of course, you wouldn't, know. yeah, you wouldn't necessarily know. That's because they're so good at hiding like, it. Like, apparently, uh, Winona Ryder and Gary Oldman didn't get along on Dracula. Oh, really? I read or something. Interesting. Uh, but then the, I think they made up later. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, stuff like that is kind of interesting because you wouldn't necessarily know it. Oh, yeah, and I saw a picture of Gene Hackman, like, like a recent picture of Gene Hackman because this was, like, his last, like, big film. Film after that and after this he, wow. he like retired uh but yeah like i saw a recent picture of him and it was so weird because like he he looks so different now well it's he's so old weird. he's 91 years old that's what happens yeah when you get old he is still an active bicycle rider as of 2021 so huh. that's nice Good. oh yeah and then this year marks like the 20th anniversary of this uh, of this movie film. oh wow. yeah. yeah nice um Variety, I think, or one of the publications did like a little tribute to this movie where they had all these young actors dress up as the characters. Oh, really? From this, yeah. And all. But overall, I thought it was very whimsical. It was very Wes Anderson. I, I very much enjoyed it. And it makes me want to see the other one I missed, the Darjeeling uh, Unlimited. And all. What kind of friend is Eli? That's what I thought. What kind of friend would be banging the guy's sister and not tell him? 
at all. I felt like that was a little wrong. Yeah, well, he's a... he knew... Well, he's a shithead. Yeah, he's a shithead, too. But he knew that Richie had a thing for Margot, and I felt like Richie kind of forgave him a little easily over that. Yeah. Well, he seems like the type to forgive very easily. I guess. And then, of course, he's high on mescaline, and he crashes the car into the side of the house. That scene was crazy. That, that... It didn't jump the shark, but it let me uh, sit up a little bit in my chair and I was like whoa because I wasn't expecting that to happen mm-hmm. at all there was the one thing that w- was a little flat for me was Bill Murray's test subject what was he testing for his test subject Dudley remember the test subject Dudley? oh yeah was that ever elaborated on I don't know exactly. I, don't, I don't remember <laughs> I guess it wasn't if we don't if I don't remember it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> What? I liked his servant, Pagoda, when Pagoda stabbed. Oh, uh, yeah. Bomb. That was funny. Yeah, well, actually, it's kind of funny because this film kind of, um, it almost kind of predicts uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel in a way. Oh, a little like, bit, at the yeah. End where, like, foreshadows, like, because Gene Hackman and the other guy become, uh, like, bellboys or whatever. So, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I felt like forgiveness was, like, a big theme forgiveness more than saying sorry no but i felt like forgiveness i don't know because eventually the kids come around and they forgive their dad for his shitty parenting at all and i don't know a part of it is a theme i think adulthood sucks is another theme yeah. of the movie because all the kids start out as these like geniuses and then they become adults and they, they just not, like hit they're rock not shiny bottom. anymore yeah i think that's that's kind of a theme what 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 do you think he's trying to get at with that though like we're all just kind of like doomed to be washed up adults I felt, when we're it older. felt more like a criticism of child prodigies than any outright statement i mean i another thing that i read which i kind of thought was interesting was how they said that like somebody i think somebody said that like even though angelica houston is very nurturing for them uh she kind of like like spoils them yeah she wrote out a check she was like buy yourself whatever because he's like can i have a check for 187 dollars or whatever and she was like yeah whatever so i don't know so maybe that's like another reason as to like to kind of why they ended up the way they did like they lacked the love from their father but they were also kind of coddled by their spoiled to no end yeah Mm -hmm. do you think his racism played a role at all royal or not really that was just kind of an not attribute. really that was just kind of an attribute i think Applied although the character what did you think of the music oh i love the music you thought the music was all good yeah yeah, yeah i think it was and really again good. like i i can't really like delve into that too much because that was the topic of the last episode but like yeah, yeah but Wes anderson is another great soundtrack director yeah i thought the paul simon worked really well the rolling stones worked really well the Vince Giraldi trio worked really well. I'm just trying to think of the songs. The Nico songs worked really well. I don't know. Like, he picked, like, good music that fit the scenes. Like I said earlier, sometimes directors, like, don't pick good music yeah. for a scene. But also that, like, the the um, uh, Julio down by the schoolyard reminded me of the SNL skit that they did a few years ago when they, like, uh, parodied his films and oh, they, play, they yeah. play that song in the, <laughs> that's funny. in the fake trailer oh that's it's just funny. so funny yeah. yeah 
His movies definitely have like a singular aesthetic a little bit. Which Rolling Stones was in there? Ruby Tuesday, right? Ruby Tuesday and uh, she smiled sweetly. She smiled sweetly. Yeah. Interesting. Audiences polled by Cinema Score gave the film an average grade of C minus on the A plus wow. to F scale. Interesting. So it didn't resonate with the general public that much. When I guess when it first came out, The Guardian called it a bizarre redemption tale. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain annoying preciousness to this film, is what Time said. I always like uh, seeing if people reappraise their views like 10 years later. Because yeah. that happens all the time in music criticism where people like look at reviews and they say, oh, Pitchfork gave an album before, but now that it's iconic, they'll like say, oh, we always knew it was good. You know, yeah. acting like they didn't give it a bad rating when the album came out or the song came out. But yeah, I mean, uh, just another great film by Wes Anderson. Uh, we gotta sit down and watch more Definitely. of his movies. Yeah, it'd be good to like really go through them. Well, we gotta go see The French Dispatch. Yeah, when it comes out, I'm dying to see that. Yeah. Dying. This is before Tilda and him started working together. But what I like about him is he uses the same company of actors in all his movies. I mean, a lot of directors do that. Not all, though. Some Some, some don't. I mean... I mean, David Lynch, Quentin Tarantino. I mean, I don't know, but I like the fact that he has recurring collaborators in all of his movies, like Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, Tilda Swinton, Jason Schwartzman, Ed Norton, Francis McDermott, Angelica Houston, Jeff Goldblum, Willem Dafoe. I don't know. He like I like the fact that he picks like the same people to kind of be in all his movies and everything. Yeah. So this has been Cinemaniac Jack. I'm your host, Jack. Today's guest co-host was John. Uh, See you next time.